0: Welcome to Fashion Designers Get Paid, a podcast for burnt out fashion designers who wanna ditch the toxic rat race, say bye-bye to backstabbing bosses and work with brands who value and respect them. I'm your host, Heidi, and I believe that you can do things differently in your fashion career because the truth is most industry jobs will underpay and overwork you and having your own brand is far from profitable. Let's also be honest, most of them fail. So if you actually want to, well, be a fashion designer and get paid, The best way to do it is as a freelancer. Now, maybe you've been told that brands don't accept remote freelancers, or that freelancing means being an exploited temp employee working full-time without benefits. Or to work freelance, you have to be a rockstar expert with all the skills from design through development. I'm gonna show you that it is possible to be a real freelancer in fashion, work remotely with brands you love, and make money, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. You got this and I'm here to help you do it. Did you know that making yourself available with air quotes there is a really simple way to make your freelance clients super happy and being available simply means responding quickly, being willing to hop on a last minute call or jumping to solve a problem, even though it's after hours. Now, yes, there is a fine line. I don't want you to bend over backwards 24/7 for your clients. Boundaries are healthy and you want to be mindful of setting expectations that you can't always drop everything to put out their fire. But there's a balance, and when you go just a little bit above and beyond to make yourself available, it can go really far with impressing your freelance clients. This is just one of the many topics you'll hear in this episode with Alex Massey. Alex owns a sustainable pajama brand called Charles William Alexander, and he works exclusively with freelancers, including one of my FAST students, pattern maker Alexandra Agreda. In our conversation, Alex shares how he started his fashion brand, some of the things freelancers have done to impress him, and how he manages working with people around the world from Australia to the UK to the US. If you're wondering how to surprise and delight your clients and how to manage things like proto samples and productions across the globe, you're going to love this conversation. Let's get to it. Hey, real quick, before we jump into the episode, if you're sick of being tied to a desk and want more freedom in your day, I want to help you. It's now my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion. Even if you're terrified, you don't have all the answers to learn my five-step freelancing framework so you can work for yourself in fashion and get paid. Get instant access at SoHeidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Alexander. Um, quickly, can you just introduce everybody, uh, yourself to everybody and let us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry?
1: Um, yeah, so my name's um, Alex, and I'm from a company called Charles William Alexander. We're a very niche, basically pajama um, and underwear brand that I basically all produce our products in the USA and we sell all over the world. Um, and one of our sort of founding sort of, you know, ethos sort of things was that we wanted to, produce sustainable, purposeful pajamas and pretty much as a focus on basically making things in the US or in close to the home. And the brand's actually the vibe of the brand or the actual style, it's very quite a premium regal type London vibe, um, wing being sort of Marlebone central London in its style. Um, but the actual like the brand itself, just sort of I'm being Australian, it's sort of I wanted to have a brand that tied my favourite places in the world or where I have Mm. family and that's in the UK, Australia or the US. Um, Okay. So I wanted a brand that created that link between my favourite places and countries um, and pretty much could use the best um, of those places. So that's where the sort of the three pillars of the brand being, you know, past, the present, the future. Yeah. Yeah. as part of it so yeah that's, that's um cool. that's a little bit about it
0: okay cool so um you work well at least with one freelancer i know um alexandra agreda who's one of my fast students um to help you with your brand and maybe others and we'll talk about that in a second but i'd love to actually know like what what's your background in or in fashion or maybe not like where did you figure out how to kickstart this whole pajama brand
1: so my background's actually um network engineering and e-commerce um
0: hey, not fashion
1: no but also it was part of that was also past life as well I was in, in the automotive industry in um basically a lot of just-in-time manufacturing a lot of um design a lot of CAD sort of like like basically make manufacturing of products yeah um but in a in a very very physical world in a automotive world so I, I did have a connection there to cars and to fashion indirectly um because you know quite good connections in the uk in the world of jaguar land rover and, and range rovers and that's quite a fashion statement a lot of car brands uh, these days have moved towards being more viewed as luxury brands over being staple type just household sort of goods yeah they're they're more of a. They've gone more of a brand ethos in the way they deliver their products. So yeah, a bit of experience around that, and then IT, you know, got me basically a really good way of a kickstart, kick I suppose you could say, in actually anything to do with development and websites and whatnot. Sure, so,
0: creating an online presence.
1: Yeah, so that's sort of my background, and then on the the other smaller going winding back the clock even further, my early experience with fashion was my mum who. Basically, she was, and her mum and her sister were quite big uh, sewers and, like, just more hobby, not for, like, commercial reasons. My auntie, though, actually does work for Front International, which is a massive bra company based out of Germany. Yeah. Uh, but so she's the chief. Well, one of the high up designers in Australia, um, for that, but so there was a connection in the family, and my sort of experience with mum was making stuff from patterns, which we'd buy, like in a company. Spotlight was a company in Australia, you could buy all these patterns from, and you used to get them a little brown bag, and then that would be the picture of it, what you're making on yeah, the yeah, yeah. front, and you know you'd get it out. My job was always pinning all these <laughs> things on the fabric, which yeah. took ages, right? Yeah, it, it does. Right. that's why you use so, fabric
0: that's why you use weights
1: well yeah but we had well we had these pins right and you just sit down on this board on this table and just take out I think I used to got the crap job really it's like she used yeah. to do like- <laughs> so, but I think it was like slave labor perhaps for me being like okay. you know, I don't know because it was like but you didn't think of that when you were like 10 or like yeah eight, yeah, yeah spending time and I think the really you know fun things that i did at one point was i picked like this suit as a kid and i wanted to wear it to the races Well, oh, i wanted it for the races cuz my dad took horse photo ra- racing photos and things um and i i wanted this like little single p uh single um it was like a sports jacket but made of tweed okay and I picked it from like the store, like the actual pattern. And we met and bought the fabric and the whole process of making the suit took like months. Yeah,
0: was... yeah. But, Tailored yeah, clothing is a labor of love.
1: Yeah, it was. And I remember like even finding the shoulder pads for a little kid were like, we had to put big ones in there because we couldn't find any small ones. And I remember, yeah. I remember it was like a compromise that was in this suit. To this day, I've still got it somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, it, I suppose that's where the interest came from initially it's like I really like that creation of like something from you know from just that picture whether yeah. it was like right you know, yeah. uh, and that's sort of where my background was in the sense I'd had experience okay
0: um, okay yeah so when did you start your brand
1: um I started my brand in 2021
0: so, so just not, about two years now yeah okay so
1: we don't uh yeah so I knew about it um like I sort of had ideas earlier than that and i sure. sort of registered domain names and full of ideas but they were never going to be in pajamas it was going to be in something else um and then i just sort of was throwing all kinds of ideas around my head i knew the name but i didn't know what it was going to be so i thought of the name before of actually what i was going to make which is okay. quite an interesting way of yeah. doing
0: it yeah but, but- it's na- um it the name is such that it can work for pajamas. It could work for, I mean, you've got women's underwear too. So like it can work for is broad enough.
1: It's, it was very, um, the brand can grow like the brand vibe, the brand, like the way the brand actually evolves will be, you know, once you start that name, you can start to like really polish how you want to experience it, and yeah. that's the fun thing, right, of growing for a brand. For sure, so for sure. I think yeah, once you settle on a lot of name, I think everybody starting a brand should always settle on a lot of name. Um, at some point, I don't think you need to straight away, but I do do feel because I've had people or friends ask me, you know, oh, what should I? How I can't think. We can't think of our name for our brand and stuff. And like, It'll come to you. It will It'll come. come. It'll come. Yeah, but it's just sometimes you can be lucky. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, so you started in 2021 and when did you get connected with Alexandra to help you with I imagine pattern making and 3D prototyping and I don't know exactly what she's doing for you, but wh- when and how did you guys get connected?
1: So, I was doing some watercolor type um drawings with a friend who's in Australia and she was she's quite good at like quite creative and doing like kids' books and cartoons and things. And she was helping me with that. And I had done some basic patterns um myself, which were pretty bad, which weren't the best. Okay. Like and I, I needed help basically getting them yeah. something resembling basically a graded spec. And I was chatting to um I went onto a freelancer site, which is you know a quite well known one Fiverr. Um, oh,
0: Fiverr. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I found um, someone in, I think they were in um, in the Caribbean okay. and they were doing like just basically um, bulk. It was more just I wanted some graphic um, placement of all these watercolours on these um, patterns that I've made and I, it just was taking me hours and hours now. So I was like, I'm going to try and get someone to do all this for me. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, we can help with this but if you want to do better patterns this particular person happened to know because she worked with Alex in some other company years ago and she uh-huh. was in like, yeah she was really obscure connection like that's this so
0: like, random
1: it's the most random way of finding someone because like, Alex
0: lives in the U.S.
1: yeah but she, and she's in the Caribbean she had lived in the U.S. and worked and uh-huh. she was like she was like, um, Venezuela or somewhere she was no, she was Venezuelan. I don't. She she basically said I worked with Alex at this underwear company or something in some area or something okay. And Alex remembered because obviously she knew yeah the girl and she's said, you need to go to this person because you know your stuff is too hard for me basically. <laughs> like I'm like okay that sounds fine and then Alex was sort of like we had first conversations and that's where we got together. But, but but before that, I'd actually been pushed quite hard by my manufacturer in the States to say that I needed more stringent, and more, like, detailed tech packs and designs and processes because they weren't entertaining sloppy-type customers. They just oh.
0: weren't at me. Yeah. So, that's great um, to hear, because a lot of factories will work with you, and then your end product comes out not so great because the instructions weren't so great. I've heard exactly. some stories. So we
1: don't do that. <laughs> like, we're very strict. Um, yeah. Factory, she's she's amazing, and like we, but we keep it like very very structured, and you know we don't even even call time on teams. We just like. Sh- Need to just be doing business because we don't have time in manufacturing. You don't have time because everything's yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: I, hold on, I want to understand the, the order of events. So, you had these patterns, like sewing patterns, yeah. And you were trying to take these watercolor designs and place them on the patterns for production. Yeah, and it was through
1: a friend, in well, it was through someone I found on Fiverr, and they were like, "I can't fully help you with this to make these patterns better." Okay, tech- but
0: she recognized that the patterns were not g- great for production I was and happy. said okay and then at what point did your factory say hey we need better tech packs and we pretty need to tidy much, from the, pretty
1: okay. much okay. from the get-go okay okay and i'd sort of then disappeared off into like all by my own and just left them you know because they had lots of things to do so i'm yeah. like right well i've been told pretty much that i need to go away and group and not figure come
0: stuff it. out a little bit yeah, before you come back.
1: Sorted, right? Yeah. So, um, so you I, had you
0: DIY'd all that stuff you had sent to them? to DIY'd it all. Some like, tech I pack DIY'd. type of thing. Yeah. I
1: DIY'd it all. And, okay.
0: And they said this is know, not going to work.
1: Well, obviously I'd only ever had like patterns that were paper-based patterns in the past Yeah. Year, yeah. You know? so I'd never done anything in a digital type environment or in a more modern A production environment, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So my experience was always just at home and DIY. Like, So and that's like probably everybody's experience, right? Is everybody? Some
0: people's, yeah, yeah. And home sewing patterns are very different than production.
1: Yeah, and some people start out like with DIY because that's all they know, and then a lot of people that obviously are in the industry get exposed to yeah amazing software packages and all kinds of stuff, but that's just not normal for when you're doing it at home because totally. You know, so I, I kind of seen from both angles, which is nice, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how we, we got started and Alex just tweaked stuff and we've tweaked stuff and done stuff and built, built a whole range and collection and different things. And yeah. so
0: she started with you uh, pretty much at the beginning, like as you were getting the patterns ready and refined to, and the tech pack more professional to then go back to the factory.
1: Yeah she pretty much started with me from the get-go and then she's probably been um more involved in the brand than you know like even it's probably just as much involved in the brand as me in the sense of knowing decisions and like choosing different color different things and making almost making calls
0: yeah because I trust her
1: advice explicitly you know so that's where that's it's really cool like we 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 get along so you know that's it's in you know i think it's i'm having to lean on someone because i haven't had this long experience right so
0: yeah yeah so do you work with any other freelancers or just alex
1: well so my factory is also freelance.
0: oh who can you um, yeah.
1: say it's actually um satsuma designs over in, in satsuma
0: I. it sounds super familiar
1: yeah so who, she. Who, she, she what's so yeah name? jennifer porter from satsuma designs
0: jennifer porter okay i swear i know the name yeah she's
1: very she's very good um i don't know i don't know what i haven't you know i don't know what her sort of like standing is on her main business is uniforms and other things and i'm not sure how she i think whether she has particular clients or she has this sort of client or what i don't know whether she has a filter on who she sort of has in but anyway i you know and i went to her and and it was great. And we've done, done you know, some production and different samples and there'll be more in the future. Yeah, I'm not sure how, I, like, yeah, I'm just not sure how she structures her business in the sense of, like, she's full freelance or she's, like, in and out or, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I work with freelancers. My whole business is built around freelancers, actually. Yeah. Everybody's a freelancer. Yeah. Um, Because, so, like, right down to my photos, my friend who does my photos and all my when we do photo shoots and all kinds of like photo days and whatnot, you know, it he he's a independent photographer. Um, one of my friends who's a stylist friend who she does a lot of stuff and we have models and all our different like just shoot days and arranging and more than just the coordination of, you know, the run sheets for the shoots and, you know, Oh, I mean, I do a lot of the posing and a lot of the stuff to figure out like what how people are going to stand and what myself as well with her. Mm-hmm. Again, she's freelance. Does yeah.
0: that? Okay. Um,
1: and this 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 is actually these are in this is in the United Kingdom, which is where I am. So yeah, there's the US people, there's the UK people, and then in Australia, I've got a friend who's the lady that does the um, watercolors and stuff. She's pretty much my brand like sounding board and everything that I like run through to stay on brand, to keep on brand, to keep everything like within like how I want to structure how I want to visualize the brand moving forward. I run through her and, you know, we do a lot of the drawings and any new watercolors and anything like that is done for herself.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah,
1: again, freelance. Okay. So yeah.
0: So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, um, and it sounds like, most of your freelancers have come through personal connection. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I mean, again, like Jennifer, like from Satsuma, she was found by a Google search. Oh, okay.
0: So, what yeah. did you search for?
1: Uh, fashion manufacturers, manufacturers on, you know, clothing USA, textile okay. manufacturers. Okay, and just or through. About four, four, I just emailed like 10 factories, and it was only until I got her, someone actually replied, and yeah. I had to open. You know, Asked, you know so it, it's um yeah like that that was found through like searching in the uk yes friends known connections australia um the lady that did that actually covered a friend's done all the graphics on a friend's um coffee van she'd done like the layout the whole stickers okay and, like the whole like vinyl wrap um and she designed all that and basically my friend recommended so it was again so a that recommendation. Was
0: through a connection yeah okay yeah
1: But I'd say it's 50-50 through connections, through just finding someone online, through searching.
0: Okay. Okay. So talk a little bit about, you work with a lot of freelancers um, and you can maybe not name names because you arguably still have ongoing relationships, business relationships with these people, but... I'd love to hear um, some of the good and the bad. Like, what are some things that some of your freelancers have done where you're just like, you know, maybe you've heard this, but something that people teach a lot in freelancing is like surprise and delight your customers, right? Surprise and delight your client. Like, what can you do to make them feel really special, make them feel really happy. So I'd love to hear like some things that you're, that freelancers have done, maybe to surprise and delight you. And and it might be something that they didn't even think of, but for you, you were like, oh, that was just really nice that you did that. It just made my life easier. Um, And then also I'd love to hear some of the things that they do that maybe drive you crazy, but (laughs) um, which is where you might not name names, but but start with some of the things that that some people do that just feel really good from a client's perspective.
1: Well, I mean, I think, Really, only got good positive things to say about okay. you know, in the sense of everybody. Um, I think you know, every you have to be flexible, I suppose, in the sense of time, perhaps, maybe, so with freelancer to a degree, because of everybody's schedule is their own, effectively, and there is no one to take up that work when, um, you know, they're not obviously they might have some family thing on or something like that. Like, right, it's not like we're really a big company. But on a positive note sort of thing in the sense of I went to one of my freelancers and I visited like um, and I got a whole like basically the when I checked into my um, hotel I booked nearby, she'd actually dropped a whole like welcome hamper in like the reception.
0: Wow. And obviously I
1: put it in my room on my bed and I'd come in from the UK and yeah. it was like local products, local brands. that city you know all the lights things are synonymous with that particular place that oh i love this linked it to you know this is why you're here you know this is the like what you this is us this is like about us and this is our city or this is our home you know like um even down to an apple like (laughs) like,
0: (laughs) a local apple
1: yeah or was a u.s apple probably or something but i don't know they're always bigger in the u.s anyway right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah <laughs> so I UK gets a
0: really big app. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah,
1: that, that's why. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. So that was always that's always a nice surprise. Um, surprise. So it's a very personable thing sometimes with freelancers. If you know you get, yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, no real negative or well, no nil. No, like I think my only thing would say is as I said just before is about schedules. You have to be probably more aware of people's personal. Lives in some respects with freelancers because they're not as sort of shielded from, um, you know, days off in sickness like you mm-hmm. might be in a company, mm-hmm. whereas in theory if you were dealing with a big company, someone else should be able to pick up that particular yeah. job. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you're the only one reliant, sorry, if you're the only person, like you're relying on one person to deliver you something and they get sick or something happens, um, then it could potentially be delayed but in my cases I've never had those problems and I'm very lucky to have people that are would probably work even when they're sort of not well for me you know <laughs> because they're so lovely but yeah. like that that that's what a freelancer's normally would do anyway you know because they they're passionate about what they do so they yeah. want to you know it's not work in, in a sense to them because yeah. it's
0: well, you might also be a very lovely client because I was a freelancer for over a decade. And let me tell you, sometimes it's work depending on the client.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is depending on the client, but um, yeah, but yeah, um, but uh, yeah.
0: that's awesome. Um, I love that welcome basket idea. Very, very, very thoughtful. Obviously something that can only be done under very specific circumstances. Um I'm, I'm gonna push you to think a little bit harder like on just a day-to-day basis like are there any things that some freelancers do that just makes it and and you might not even notice it because you have it sounds like you have a really great team um but is there anything you could pick out
1: well I mean I suppose you know being quite flexible to I mean again I'm probably coming down to like just bit like about the thing about the sick and not working thing and slash, you know, they've, they've got lives, but connected connection um, of after hours and in the sense of, you know, the calendar or availability or you can always, well, Alex is really great. You know, everybody's really good. Like, you know, I can usually, I, I use Slack for most of my communications with everybody mm-hmm. um, and everybody's sort of like willing to use that and even converse no matter what just constantly, you know even any time of the day, effectively. And not the same not the say I'm expecting that or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I think it's something that probably goes unnoticed that you've had a reply at nine o'clock at night from someone mm-hmm. at nine o'clock at night at their time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Um yeah, I'm 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 trying to think of some little things like you say that might um I mean I, I just think that in my case I've been very lucky with people and everybody's extremely thorough and delivers what they say on the package or on the box mm-hmm. or on the menu and <laughs> like I I don't have any sort of surprises because I don't I don't really want surprises in the sense of <laughs> usually the surprises I'll get are the ones I yeah. want but, yeah. you know everything sort of comes as it should and you know that's that's where I yeah I, I think that's that's that
0: Okay. I mean, we'll get back to the episode in about 20 seconds, but real quick, if you're scared to freelance in fashion without a steady paycheck, I want to show you exactly how to get a full list of clients so you can pay your bills and so you don't get your hopes up and then have to go right back to the fashion job you hate. I share it all in my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion. Even if you're terrified, you don't have all the answers. Get instant access at soheidy.com freelance We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now back to the episode. You made a comment earlier that I kind of, I perked up a little bit on. You said something like, um, so Alex is, does pattern making and does like 3D work and clo and stuff. But she, it sounds like you said she, you run a lot of other things by her, like the color assortment, yeah, so things so like I mean, that. So sometimes I think it's even like the free answer, like if they have an opinion, Speaking up and saying something and saying, Hey, Alec, I know you guys are both named Alex. So, well, technically, so you, Alexander, like she could just do the patterns and not say anything. Or she can say, Hey, you know what? Actually, Alexander, I think that it would be a little bit better if we did this, even though she hasn't been hired for, like, let's say, design or color trend or inspiration or something. Am I on? Is there something there or no? no,
1: That is right. There's definitely a degree of um you know assistance that happens um unbeknown to me a lot of the time that i might just you know ask an opinion just and not think twice and it's just like yeah. oh, that's a good one. and take those those opinions in a lot of cases yeah so it's it's um that's always appreciated and it does go well, un um, you know I suppose it is noticed, but not so much. But, yeah, it, it's – I suppose you just don't think about it as uh, something that's um, – you think it's normal after you start working time and time again with yeah. like freelance, you just start to, you know, you. I, I, I want to be able to bounce the idea off someone. If I yeah. can't do that, yeah. I feel empty. You know, there's, that space is yeah. – Yeah.
0: I mean, I bring it up just because – I mean, I've been teaching – people how to freelance in fashion for like six years now. And so I've worked with a lot of freelancers and I see a lot of people asking questions about um, like, well, they didn't hire me for that. So do I need to like charge extra or like that's not part of the project scope that I put together, like sort of like where to draw the line on, what to give advice on or not and like when does it start to lean into hey if you want me to and I'm not saying this is the case with Alex but like if you want me to help with design and trend and stuff then like I need to put together another proposal and so I think there's a lot of people out there who depending on the the relationship and sort of the the energy um who might sort of like put a block to that and be like well, if you want me to help with all of that, then I can put together something else. And there's a balance, right? Because a client, not saying you do this, but a client could maybe start to lean really heavily on that freelancer for that sort of stuff when it really wasn't part of the original scope, but no, it could become exactly. a bigger project. And maybe the client is doing that unknowingly because mm-hmm. the freelancer is just helping and it just kind of grows into this other thing. And and there's all sorts of nuances with this, right? Depending on like, well, did you are you charging is the are charging per hour or per project? So if they're charging per hour, then they just charge for their time and, and then it's easy. But if it's project, then it gets a little tricky. So that's just where my head goes on a lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fair to say. Um, I can understand. Yeah, but I've not had that sort of, um, I suppose I haven't gone down to that level of questions anybody much, but it's yeah. more, um, but I can see where they're, yeah, there could certainly be things like that come up.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so yeah. um talk to me a little bit about um before we hit record, we started nerding out on WFX. And I was like, wait, what? WFX? I don't even know how we got on the topic. And you it were was talking about, about
1: the vertical integration thing.
0: Yeah, you were talking about um software that you use to manage well, you talk about it.
1: Yeah, so one of the things I identified very early on, um, in making a lot of this stuff um, in the US or in the Western world um, was there's just no, um, there's no really a provision for waste because it's too expensive. Like there's just no, that everybody's time's too expensive. Every shipping's too expensive. People um, like materials are too expensive. Everything's just so expensive. So I needed to find a way of basically limiting you know what i had on stock in the sense of raw material
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because in a world of making things in you know the u.s you're only limited to like um particular styles and collections of like fabrics and whatever like might have to have on site or on on in the u.s in stock effectively i could i'm not even got a massive factory where i can just have shelves and shelves of just mm-hmm. oh they go and grab that fabric because mm-hmm. i'm in india and i've got tons and tons of like textile places. I'm in downtown Seattle. I'm in downtown New York. I've only got so many different stocks I can draw off. Um, so I wanted a way of making sure that I could produce my production runs um, without running out effectively, because I would have to reorder this stuff. And it could take like weeks or more, yeah. months. You know? Totally. Um, and that's not a problem when you're making this stuff in China or in India, because You're there. You are. You literally just walk next door and grab more because it's there. Like, and it's the totally the opposite thing because if you're not making a lot of your fabrics um, locally in the US, you are having to import them, and a majority of them are. And even when you are making them in the US, you're only going to make so much because the production costs are so high um, that you just can't just keep making because there just isn't the market for like. That particular style or color or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but so I basically thought of a way. Well, what WFX does on a high level, um, and it's sort of something that works in with like a, yeah an MRP or ERP like that suite, which is big companies have, um, which I've used in other businesses. Is I wanted something that would basically plan materials, which is what an MRP stands for: material planning, reporting, planning. Yeah, so um, material reporting plan sorry, um, mm-hmm. that would basically allow me to input all my designs, all of my patterns, all my material consumption figures, which Alex has got the skills to create because mm-hmm. she has worked in those sort of worlds yeah. as well. Um, and then that would actually tell me, like, how many centimetres of fabric, how many centimetres of binding or thread or buns or pieces of buttons, how many care labels, all that stuff. Yeah. And it would produce basically these manufacturing reports or orders which I could then send to my manufacturer and say, you're going to need to make this and this is what you're going to need. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other side of it, it would spit out purchase orders and I could say to the factory that's making all the raw materials, I need all this, and then it would feed it in. And basically it would concoct the recipe to produce um finished product, which is what the factory in the US is making. So which will allowed me to book a time in a weekend or whatever production. And no, in that week and that time, I don't have everything on hand and there's not gonna be a phone call or an email. Ah, oh, we've run out. Buttons. of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a big problem with a lot of manufacturing, you know, is that people don't plan and they get into it and then you're half made products are sitting there and that's costing money because yeah. you're doing someone else's job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I needed it on a low level or a very low basic level, which is why I found some software that's very, very um, good. Yeah. Integrates yeah. In my e-com stuff and um, it means that I can handle all the production and the ordering myself and I know what I'm going to have on hand and I can deliverable accurately plan and know I'm going to get that stock um, yep. And there's no like drawn out lead times because I know I physically have you know the, the goods.
0: Yeah. So, and it's um, you said it's WFX, but well, I was it's like it's
1: wait. Software I use I use Katana, which so there's a few of them.
0: Oh, I thought you said WFX, and I was like wait, I've no, used so I use that software. It's twenty five thousand dollars a year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So basically, WFX is a whole suite of things. Yeah. And once you graduate to your big brand like say j crew sure absolutely go and use (laughs) wfx but um for a startup and for a small brand like me um i i wanted effectively the same capabilities but on a very low level and a very granular level yeah um, because i don't have to have bold people using it yeah i I don't need that um high level view yet
0: so Um, what's it called that you use
1: Katana so there's a there's a couple of them out there but this particular one Katana is really good because um it it's basically um it's got quite good integrations with like Shopify and stuff like that
0: oh right okay yeah yeah yeah
1: and it also it's quite low cost as well so it's low cost it integrates well um it has um quite good units um it has the ability to use units for consumption so like centimeters and yards and feet and all the different things and and liters or gallons and all this stuff so you can you could create recipes in it that would make um it was sort of loosely designed enough for fashion and that's why I picked it because
0: okay okay how do you spell it what is it
1: oh the k K k-a-t-a-n-a
0: K-A-A-T-A-N-A.
1: The so K-A-T, it's spelled K-A-K-A-T-A-N-A.
0: Oh, just K-A-T-A-N A. Okay.
1: A- N A. So Kilo Alpha, Tango Alpha, November Alpha. Katana. Okay. Um and basically it's it's some um...
0: uh here we go. Katana mrp.com
1: Yeah, that's it. Okay.
0: Them. Yeah, we'll yeah. put that in the show notes. Yeah because that's a great so, resource for brands and no also knows. freelancers to help their brands manage.
1: Well, if you if you if you're doing like um you know if you're manufacturing in house, then it's very handy. Mm -hmm. If you're not manufacturing in house, it's probably it's it's definitely overkill. Um, but I am manufacturing in house, so I had the problem of having to manage all these fabrics and all these different materials. Yeah,
0: it's a lot.
1: And but for someone that's just going out there and finding a factory and saying, "Here's my pattern, here's my tech pack, make me this," you don't need it because they're handling all of that right full package
0: production right yeah yeah
1: but I had no option I I was forced into like well not forced but basically I encouraged into (laughs) well because it was going to be a disaster if I didn't have some sort of management of amateur fabric because I don't know like I look at a tech pack and I got the material consumption out for one pair of pajamas in small well, yeah. I could go with the calculator and a spreadsheet and then go, okay, well, that's this many centimeters of this color, but then mm. I've got five or like, seven other colors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To make it's it starts to get really complicated. Yeah. But until you actually see it and it's on the screen and you can see how it all works, it's, it's actually quite simple and you just got to enter all the data in, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, if you, let's say you were in India, you can just go right there and get it, but you're. Doing all this remote and everything's coming from a different place. So it's a lot to man, not just manage the logistics because of the logistics, but also then you got these physical physical logistics to wrangle. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit, and I don't know if Katana does anything for you, but like how you have been working with like sampling and prototypes and fittings and stuff with you're in the UK. Alex is in Pittsburgh, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And your manufacturer is in Seattle. Those are not very close in the US. So no, like, no. how logistically are you manufacturing with all these remote freelancers, physical samples, prototyping, fittings, that type of thing?
1: So my um, my product, my, my like collections, um, you know, and different designs and everything, um, have all been done in 3D for us, So that sort of starts to um, you know, help the actual fit from the start because we know it fits sure. Sure. The,
0: the virtual model. Yeah. So
1: that limits any major issues and clashes and problems straight away. Yeah. Um, the tech packs, because of my factory's experience with making things, um, you know, you know, and they care so much about like making things right, is Visually, the first thing, do the tech packs get printed out or the tech packs get looked at by them? And any any things that are, like, picked up um, are pretty much fed straight back to us before we even make a sample.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: straight away some things will flag up on that. Then the sample is made. um, After all those things, virtual, all those checks, the sample is made. And as that's progressed, then things are still found. Maybe some sewing operations aren't. Right, yep, yeah, Yeah. um, and then what I have done generally is create a sample for me and a sample for um Alex. So
0: Um, you have the factory create two samples,
1: yeah, and then they DHL it pretty much to Alex or USPS it to Alex and then DHL it to me, yeah, um, Yeah. yeah, which you know it is a cost, but there's just no other physical way, um, now. If the factory was in China, you'd be doing the same thing anyway. You would. <laughs> so there's no real difference um, in that sense. And uh, yeah, there's there's there is still a, a limiting factor that you physically have to try these things. You have to know they're going to fit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, but uh, we've been very lucky and we haven't had to have lots of samples. Like we've been yeah. very lucky.
0: So yeah, all that's great. And I think I'm pretty sure she uses Clo, right? Alex uses Clo.
1: I think you know, so. three
0: D, yeah, um, yeah. So it's just a question that comes up a lot for the answers. Like, wait, how do you do pattern making or how do you do technical design remotely? Like, typically, yeah, the factory might be in China, but the design director, arguably, you right, and then the if people are used to working in house, then the technical designer or whatever the company hierarchy is, right? But everybody's like under the same roof, and now everybody's under completely different roofs. And so it's just an extra cost of getting two samples. And then you guys each are looking at the same thing in real time, in real life.
1: It's just just a cost of doing business in the sense of um, there's no real way. The only way we can limit it is um, we inherently don't do massive changes to things um, even when we're developing something. So we don't mess anything up in the sense of like, Make things worse because it's it's sent a sample and had a whole heap of things change. We don't know what's actually where the problem is. Or the other thing is any new collections is I my idea of the brand's ethos anyway is sustainable, not using like having fast fashion, not having a million different variations. So the tech packs share um, pretty much a very similar sort of ethos. So like for instance, we've done some shorts. From the pajama shorts from the, the long pants
0: yeah
1: and the shorts are the same sewing instructions right down to the fact that the only difference is the length the leg um pretty much there's a few little things but such sure. small yeah. different so i know that i could make actually one sample of those and that's all i need to make really for production i probably won't even need to make a sample i could probably just go for production but i will make a sample because I'd like to have a pair of shorts, but like also, you know, <laughs> it would just be—it's just someone they say I wouldn't. I I, I trust that those are going to be okay because the rest of the waistband and all we, you know, everything else we did in that world, we've we fixed any minor issues in the past. Yeah. So it's just where new products are being done. That's where I think, yeah, that's where the the air freight and all the shipping and stuff can become quite painful because you're trying to coordinate. Getting this stuff from everywhere, but I've worked with like China uh, suppliers in Asia and China and places over the years, and with um automotive, and I I just I know that I know some of the frustrations people can have because you get stuff turn up and it's totally not right and it's mm-hmm. totally like just disaster, mm-hmm. and that's super disappointing, especially if you paid for it, um because yeah that's where the control over like the tech pack and they're actually producing, um, you know, exactly what you want. is sometimes really hard to sort of like get a hold of where I'm lucky to have p- good people around me. We know that when it's in the tech pack and it's going to be made, like it, it will maybe made correctly. Yeah. Um, and also I suppose the other thing, right, rewinding to that point about freelancers, don't uh, care or whatever, one of them thing with my manufacturer and even in Alex's case or any cases, I've had mistakes in the tech pack and just the odd mistake that may be there it's no one's fault but it's been picked up by the seamstress because they're so experienced that they're like this fly stitches something's wrong this shouldn't be this this is wrong and we're going to make this in production but this isn't right and then that's like a phone call or a Teams call, a Zoom call, or email. Stop making. The, they don't make it. They'll actually come back to me and say or ask, "Oh, do you realize this? Bounce that off, Alex. Yeah, that's that's a mistake. Whoops." And then we go back. Yeah, we make it this way. Change the tech back. Revise it. And that's something that if you were dealing with someone like say overseas in a factory, they just make it wrong and they just send it to you.
0: They and sure like, will. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then and then you're just like, oh, so you won't know about it. Until you get it. And yeah. you may not even pick it up because it's a stitch, right? Or something. Yeah. So yeah. it it's yeah, that's so that's um that's a little bit about the manufacturing, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Well, you're smart to ask for the sample even on like a second run of production. Cause I have a um I have a really good friend who has her own brand and she was doing her manufacturing in New York City. So it was still stateside, it wasn't over in China or anything. And she had, she needed to order another round of production. She goes, I just skipped a sample just for time. And the whole production came out wrong. Cause like they had new people on the line or who knows what, right? It happens. Mm -hmm. So I always say no matter what you get a sample and you approve it before production, like no matter how amazing your factory Uh is, no matter, like it doesn't matter, um, She had to offload <laughs> the whole thing at off at like TJ Maxx or something, a discount retailer. So it happens. Um, so you're smart to do that, even though the extra expense of paying for the sample, paying for the shipping, et cetera, is worth it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. It's um I, I think it's very thorough to have multiple samples just before yeah, you produce yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Alex, for coming on and chatting. It's lovely to hear about you and your story and your brand and what you're building. And I'm so glad you've had such great experiences with all your freelancers. That's phenomenal. It's not always the case. So um, you're doing something right. You've connected with the right people. That's really exciting. Um, First of all, where can everybody find you and connect with you online?
1: Um, Just go to charleswilliamalexander.co.uk or .com. And just there's an email address just in the contact thing, and just send me an email on there. I check the mailbox. So
0: awesome.
1: um, That's yeah.
0: Awesome. And And then I'd love to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the interview, which is what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would?
1: um, Yeah. Okay. Suppose, yeah, is it, it but I think is the question is like, is your brand gonna become like massive or some like you know oh, I think yeah. you're in the fashion industry, right? So they think you <laughs> like some sort of like I you don't know, Calvin Klein or someone. I don't know, but like
0: that's what's your something. answer?
1: Oh, I I just like I I'm I'm working I'm working pretty hard. <laughs> that's what <I> you say, <laughs> like, yeah, of course, like but um I'm not really in my brand to become like the golden I'm more in it because I like, like, the brand and I like the products and I like the actual thing I'm making and I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I I do other things as well and I feel that it's sort of, it wouldn't be fun. CWA is supposed to be fun. Like, it's all about having fun. It's not about, like, just world domination or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, so that's something, like, that I sort of, yeah, remember.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good to keep yourself grounded on that level. And it's great. I feel like people don't last very long in fashion unless they're in it because they just truly love it.
1: Yeah. I can see that.
0: Um, <laughs> now you could see that after a couple of years, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, I've I, got more passionate about it as I've grown. I I've, I've grown it. Like it's always like I'm someone that wouldn't be able to stop though, in the sense of designs. And I know I need to sort of like focus on current products and things as well and I want to do more all the time and that's the fun I like about it I think that's where a lot of people get the buzz from it as well because they're creating something new yeah um and that is what fashion can be because you're just not making the same thing time and time again you can actually diversify and do different things same but different sort of situation
0: yeah Um, definitely yeah Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story. It's very, very inspiring to hear what you're doing and hear what your experience has been like.
1: Yeah, no worries. Well, yeah, anytime.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Fashion Designers Get Paid podcast. If this episode inspired you in any way to get out of the mass-produced rat race and get your fashion career out of the hands of toxic corporate bosses, just like one of my students did, Alexandra, who makes more money in one day of freelancing than she did in two weeks at her old industry job, yes, true story, I'd love to help you take control of your own destiny as a freelance fashion designer or TD, PD, pattern maker, etc. Get instant access to my free limited time training at soheidie.com slash freelance. We'll link it up in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday to help inspire you for or help you get through the week ahead. You got this. Me and my team are rooting for you.